I'm going to give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking. Let things happen. And be the ball. On today's podcast episode is Andrew Abramson, former Miami Dolphins reporter for the Palm Beach Post, current columnist for the Huffington Post, an avid Trump supporter, and a secret admirer of Miko Grimes. Only two of those things are true. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when you talk about both those people, I think they say if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? No, I mean, you, but the thing is, is, is you're you're now you're, you can't really avoid the Trump thing because you're writing about it. You've been following, obviously, recovering politics for a while after the Dolphins. And just to jump into that real quick before we hit some lighter topics, I mean, did you ever think the coverage, the day-to-day news would be this crazy? Um, kind of, I guess, with Trump. I mean, he's just – he's the king at making news and – you know, you kind of did think it would get crazy. You know, it's funny with the with the how sports and politics are now colliding. You know, you always see those people on Twitter and everywhere stick to sports, stick to sports. Well, it's kind of impossible to stick to sports now, even if you're a sports writer. And Trump has kind of made it that way. Kind of, you know, it's funny because football used to be a diversion, right? Sports in general, okay, we can watch some sports, we can forget about the real world, but there, there there's no avoiding it now. I mean, it's just it's just everything is crazy, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, it's just. Every time you look at the news, and you know it's funny, you you, you miss a lot of uh, you miss a lot of the little things going on right now because there's just like pure craziness. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I feel like we can't even enjoy sports the same way because he has to just like weasel in there and you know and make it make it his battlefield. And obviously with everything going on with the NFL, but we're not going to go uh, too deep into that. My question is: Is this going to continue? Like, are we going to continue on this crazy rise of? maniac episodes and for the next three plus years i mean if he's still in office that long because it's got a peak at some point right where things get quiet or he's just that's just not in his nature just it's going to be madness yeah that that's not in his nature it's going to be (laughs) madness if he's around for the rest of this term and who knows he could get a second term i wouldn't you know i know a lot of people think there's no chance He, he could be around for seven more years uh it's you know that that's that's his style and remember Right now, things are pretty good. The economy, which was getting good before he came in the office, is strong. Um, there's not a lot of huge turmoil, conflict. I know there's issues with North Korea, but imagine when things actually get bad, if they're this crazy when things are pretty good. That's what I worry about. Yeah, and another thing I worry about, actually, I don't really worry about it much anymore because she's gone. Although I do see her her television show, my wife and I, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. We watch that stupid uh, WAGS. I forgot what it's called. With Shannon Crowder is on with Miko Grimes. Have you seen that show? Oh, I thought, yeah, I actually haven't. I saw when you put the clip up. I don't. I haven't <laughs> actually seen the show. It's it's a train wreck, but for whatever reason, it's an entertaining train wreck. And what's funny about it is she's among the more likable characters, and I know she's playing a particular role. And all these these girls are fucking crazy. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, as one of the famous infamous triple A's. You know, she's gone after you and a couple other uh, Dolphins reporters on Twitter. I mean, you might have some serious interest there. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's gone after me in Twitter, in the real world. Yeah, tell me about that. Tell us about that in the real world, because I don't really know much about those experiences. I know (laughs) she's gone after you on Twitter for basically criticizing her husband's play, or was it criticizing her? 
you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the first run-in I ever had with her, which is which is an interesting story. It's at the Dolphins' 50th anniversary gala, and I'm there. I'm in a suit. I mean, this this was this was a thing you dress up for. It was a big deal, and uh, I'm, I'm standing around with a couple of the other beat writers, and Miko Grimes goes up to me and takes out a cell phone and shows a picture of of, and she's like, it takes two. It's like, is this you? I said, yeah, and she goes, fuck you. Wait, is this you, what, of a post you wrote or something? No, no, it was a picture of me. She wanted to make sure that's me. I'm the person on Twitter. <laughs> she shows me my own Twitter picture. She says, is this you? Oh and then God. she just curses me out. And I was like, oh, okay, hey, what's up? Wait, but what, did you, what did you write that, that irked her? Yeah, that, that, that's the most ironic part. Turns out, first of all, she was upset about a story that wasn't even factually incorrect. I don't remember what it was right now. But the ironic part was it wasn't even written by me. It was written by my colleague, Hal Habin. So she screwed that up. So basically she's just trying to pick fights. Yeah, and she's just going off, screaming at me, screaming at me. And from there, you know, it it only went downhill. You know, she accused the writers of of loving Tana or hating her husband and loving Tannehill, which wasn't true. I mean, if you read my coverage all those years, I mean, I wasn't writing glowing reports about Ryan Tannehill. There wasn't many glowing reports to write about him, first of all. You know the the celebrities read mean tweets, you know, that bit? (laughs) Yeah. I should have you read the, the Miko tweets. I just pulled I pulled one up here. Here, quote from my heart, Miko. Abramson is sucking RT Ryan Tannehill's dick too and thinks the defense needs to do more. What a horrible bunch of clueless losers we have covering this team. The ironic part was, I mean, even if, you know, first of all, I you know, I I have never seen Ryan Tannehill that intimately, even though I have been in the locker room with him before. <laughs> but you know, that's not the, the running board. We weren't even, it wasn't even how it was going. I mean, first of all, when the defense was playing well, when Brent Grimes was playing well, I mean, we were praising the hell out of him. And then it all went downhill. But, you know, for any, she, look, this Miko Grimes is not all there. I've seen her in person. I've had a few run ins with her. I've stared into those eyes. It's like Bush and Vladimir Putin looking at <laughs> oh each other. I've stared in those eyes, and, you know, she's, she's got some issues. It's, it's not an act. I don't think this is an act with Miko Grimes. I think what you see, what you see on Twitter is the real Miko Grimes. And, you know, I just hope uh, for Brent's sake that, you know, she, um, she, she keeps it together these coming years. I mean, from your side, it doesn't seem like she has it all there, but. I've always thought it was a shtick, you know, I've, I've had run-ins with her, I used to work for QAM, and, and I'd see her, and she's very nice and, and normal, seemingly in person, but then I feel like it was more of a shtick, she's trying to, like, carve out her niche as this this hot taker, this uh, polarizing uh, radio voice, or podcast voice, or, or whatever she's doing now, but from, from the stories you've told me, it sure doesn't seem like that's all of the case. Yeah, no, I've, I've had a few run-ins with her. I, I won't go into heavy detail right now, but I even had a, a random run-in at the DMV with her before. Oof. And again, I, I, I've looked into those eyes, and I, I don't believe – I used to think it was a shtick too. I used to think it was an act. And I'm not saying some of it's not an act to get attention, but, you know, I, I think that I think this is really who Miko Grimes is. All right, very good. Meanwhile, we could have used her, her husband these last two seasons. You know, the cornerback play hasn't been good for the Dolphins. I'm sure you're still – you're still following them closely, oh, yeah. and obviously, you're not in the locker room. You could be a little more critical, but I mean, their cornerbacks have been terrible. Their line has been terrible. I mean, this is what an eight and eight team. Um, is it eight and eight? I mean, didn't they just lose to the Jets? What was is eight and eight best case? Is eight and eight the best case? Like, I mean, they're a playoff team last year. I know they won a lot of close games, and a lot of people think that that that's some sort of resiliency. You know, being able to win close games. I'm more of the opinion that it, it it's luck. So this was bound to happen. There's bound to be a regression, but 
you know, I don't know if it's an eight and eight team right now, not after what we saw last week. I mean, obviously we got to see the next couple of weeks. What, what to me is so bothersome is they, a lot of the same problems they have year after year, the linebackers, this the offensive line, the things they've spent years and years trying to fix same old problems. Uh, you know, Laramie Tunsil, I know it's only been two games. I think he's ranked among the bottom of, of left tackles. And that, to me, is a huge surprise. I mean, everything we heard in the offseason from coaches and so forth was, this is, you know, Laramie Tunsil's a stud, future Hall of Famer. Uh, to me, that has been the biggest surprise so far. It doesn't help that there's kind of a revolving door at left guard. Um, you know, the linebackers continue to struggle. Obviously, Timmons is coming back from his long, strange trip. Uh, we'll see if that helps. But it's just it's just more of the same. But to me, going into the season, I thought at least this offense has the potential to be explosive. I mean, you got one of the best, if not the best, receiver trio in the NFL. I love Jay Ajayi. The guy yeah. can break tackles. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jay Cutler, I didn't think he was necessarily a downgrade from Ryan Tannehill. So, you know, I figured at least you'd get some shootouts. I didn't expect much from the defense this year. But, man, now, now I don't know. I mean, if the offense is struggling, this could be a really bad team. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's the line. It's crazy is that I, I think Tannenbaum deserves a lot more heat than he's gotten. I mean, if you look at pro football focus, and they may not be spot on, obviously. They don't they don't talk to coaches. They don't talk to players and show exactly what's going on. But even if they're a little bit off, I mean, Laramie Tunzel's on the 22nd percentile of guards. Anthony Steen, 44 percentile. Pouncey, 14 percentile. Bushrod, 8 percentile. James, they grade out very well. He's the one guy that has a... Uh, I think a very good grade on their like five category or six category scale, but to have four of five guys is very, very below average. And I think Mike Pouncey's a bit of a surprise there. He's, he might be a little overrated, but I mean, if you can't sustain something up front, play with some sort of consistency, whether it's in the passing game or the running game, and they've stunk at both, it's hard to score points and all you can have all the skilled players in the world. And that means nothing. Right. And, and, you know, it's interesting. You got to you got to wonder a little bit about coaching, too, because you think of the Patriots. and I know the Patriots are the Patriots and everyone else is everyone else. But, you know, every year they get these offensive line, you know, they'll bring up guys from the practice squad talent wise on paper. They don't have great offensive linemen. But, you know, obviously it helps you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, too. But I guess my point is you, you got talent on this offensive line and the coaches have to figure out a way to maximize it. And I'm sure Adam Gase and I know he's frustrated right now. I mean, this is a guy who's supposed to be an offensive guru. He has the pieces there. You have a lot of talent on this offense. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, he kind of snuck into the playoffs last year, but this is a big year for him. I know I don't know if they're going to keep Jarvis Landry after this year. You know, you don't see many teams that have three receivers of that caliber all together unless some of them are on rookie deals because then they got to get the big contracts and you got to spread out your money. So this is kind of the year where they, they got the pieces and if you're Adam Gase, this has to be really frustrating right now, and you have to be asking a lot of questions about yourself and the rest of your staff. Now, he obviously made the playoffs last year. His starting quarterback went down before the season even began. Um, you think that would give you a lot of rope. At what point – going in, I thought this season he could, he could go 3-13 and 13, it wouldn't matter, but at what point does his seat get a little warm? Oh, no, he's got a long way to go for that. I mean, this guy – the, the, the players love him. What he did last year was fantastic. They, they win close games. I think he's a really smart guy, you can tell. But uh, so I, I don't we're not even anywhere near that point. I don't care what happens this year. But, you know, I guess play calling, you know, he does call his own plays. And I guess if the offense would continue to regress this year, maybe you would wonder, you know, should you get somebody else to call the plays? But, you know, I, I still believe in this guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I have faith in him. But, 
what what a disappointing start. I mean, you know, they they they, they have they have the pieces, and I really thought against the Jets this was just a game. I mean, you look at the Raiders scoring forty five points against the Jets the week before, and I really thought they were just gonna come out and destroy them, and uh, they didn't. So you know, no heat, no hot seat yet for Adam Gase, but uh, you know, so you, you got to see a huge turnaround these next few games because this offense just isn't there. No, it has been. Maybe part of that was, I don't know, you could say the hurricane, and then they had a little time to relax, but I think that's a bunch of crap. They said they didn't practice well the week ahead. I mean, this yeah. is a, the Jets are a team that this is the consensus, worst team by far in the in the National Football League, worse than the Browns, you know, going in. So you, you can explain a little that maybe a bad half, a bad quarter, a bad three quarters, but they had four horrible quarters. Right, right. And, you know, the players were saying that after the game. A bunch of them, we had a bad week of practice. First of all, what does that mean? Like, I understand right. having a bad day of practice, but, you know, you're, you're professionals. How do you have a bad week of practice? And why are you having a bad week of practice? Like you said, I know they've been through a lot with the hurricane, but they were coming off a win against the Chargers, an ugly win, but they were coming off a win. So, um, you know, that, that, that to me was a little bit disturbing to hear all the players say that. Let's say they continue to, to spiral downward. Let's say they lose, I don't know three games in a row, four games in a row. At the, at some point, do you think about trading some of your win-now players, like Wake and Sue for draft picks so you can reload and rebuild next year? I mean, you know, you just don't see many in-season trades in the NFL. It's not the NBA. I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible. You'll occasionally see some trades. But, no, I, I don't think you'll see a bunch of, you know, mid-season trades. But it definitely questions your strategy for next year, what you do to get younger and, uh, you know, that that's the question. Is this a rebuilding team or is this a team just a couple pieces away? Now, the NFL is weird. You can go from, you know, three wins to 13 wins in one year. It is possible. So, you know, I, I think the, the, the question I look when I look to next year and I look to the future more than anything is the quarterback spot. What's going to happen? I know, you know, there was a lot of Jay Cutler love going into this season. I'll admit I, I was one of them, you know, seeing him in the preseason. Oh, this guy's got the arm. And you're thinking, what happens if Cutler has a big year? You know, do they give Tannehill all that money next year, or do they just part ways with him, keep Cutler for another couple of years, and then draft a quarterback? But you know, we got to see a lot more from Cutler to even think about that conversation. And what I'll say about Tannehill, yeah, he's owed a lot of money next year. I forget exactly what it is. I know it's in the twenty million dollar range, but salaries are going way, way up because of uh, you know all, all the money that's pouring into the league right now, all the TV money. So you're starting now. Tannehill's deal doesn't look that bad. But the thing about Tannehill, what's he going to be in, like, year seven or probably, I guess, year seven next year? Is it six or seven? And right. it's still the same old question. Is he the guy? Is Ryan Tannehill the guy? And that's what was so disappointing to see him get injured this year because I think this was the year we really kind of figured out truly is Ryan Tannehill the guy, and now we don't get to see that. So it's so frustrating because even if you bring him back, you're starting back in that cycle again, still trying to figure out if Ryan Tannehill is the guy. It's just another layer of luck, you know. It's just bad luck. The NFL, you need a lot. You need a lot of the things to go right just to have a chance. You know, Tom Brady goes down. The Patriots might still be competitive, but they don't have a chance of winning a Super Bowl. You know, we probably don't have a chance of winning a Super Bowl, even if they got to the playoffs. But I mean, the Cutler coaster is interesting. You know, what's funny with him, and I know the conversation after the preseason was like, well, what if he has a great year and and maybe he'll, he could possibly push Tannehill out, but. I still don't know that he definitely wants to be here. I think he's getting a fat paycheck. Like, after last week where he was just getting the shit kicked out of him, I think there was a part of him where he's like, did I really do this? Like, what was I thinking? Right. He had a cushy studio job waiting right. for him. And, yeah, it's hard to pass up $10 million. I, I don't think he was going to make close to that in the studio. 
you know, he's not he's not Tony Romo, number one uh, lead color guy, which is pretty interesting. Romo, I know, has been getting a lot of love and doing a good job. So, uh, you know, it's hard to pass up that $10 bucks. but you're right. Does he really want to be there? Remember his introductory press conference? He's like, eh, I didn't really know if I wanted to be here, but my wife uh, talked me into it. It's good money. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what happens to the Dolphins at quarterback spot. That continues to be the biggest question, but I think they would be well served to at least draft somebody in the second or third round. I'm not saying take a quarterback in the first round, but, you know, take take somebody in the early rounds and just in case – Tannehill doesn't work out or whatever. At least, at least you can see what you got. Yeah, I've never understood that why they refuse to draft a quarterback. You know, just there's no such thing as having too many good quarterbacks. It's a position of immense value. Where, I mean, you've seen it before where teams will trade guys for second round picks and they've barely had any games. You know, Jacoby Brissett. I don't know what they traded him for, but they could trade Garoppolo for a crap ton of picks. He started like four or five games. You know, that's such a valuable position. I don't get why you wouldn't try to hoard at that position. I know you try to fill holes, but just, I mean, draft the most valuable player that you think is on the board. But I wanted to get your take on, on the Heat a little bit. I know you follow them. You might not cover them specifically, but I know you're you're probably a Heat fan at heart. At least I hope so, or else we're going to cut this interview real short. Uh, what do you oh, think man, of the whole Dwayne Wade? Man, I was going to games in the Ronnie Cycle. See, games. you were, and, and I didn't even, I don't even remember. No, actually, I think the team started like a year after I was born. So you could say I'm a Heat fan for life. But Dwayne Wade, what do you think of that whole situation? He's officially in Cleveland. It's strange. It's bizarre. A lot of Heat fans have mixed opinions on it. Yeah, well, I think you look at it from a couple of perspectives. One, if, if you're Wade, I, I do think it makes sense because, you know, I don't know if going to Chicago in the first place made sense, but and I wonder if he regrets it. But from everything you see, the Heat were not encouraging him to come. I mean, everything that was out there was being reported was he's going to be a, he's going to have a bench role if he comes back. It weren't with open arms. Oh, Dwayne, come back. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a starting job. We'll do this. They were not encouraging him to come back. So he goes to Cleveland. I believe he's going to have a starting job there. Uh, he's going to compete for a title, even though I don't think that was his number one prerogative in, in this search. So I, I think if you're Wade, it makes sense. Uh, you know, I think, you know, from Heat fans, it's tough because it's one thing to see him go to a mediocre Chicago team that, you know, probably wasn't going to do much. That was just a weird, bizarre team they put together, you know, with three guards in the starting lineup. And you knew that team was going to be kind of a hot mess last year. But now he's in Cleveland. And this is a team that, you know, is going to probably win the East or at least, you know, they're going to compete with Boston and, you know, possibly win the East. You may, you know, I doubt they're going to compete for I doubt they're going to beat the Warriors. But, you know, for me, I, I can see how Heat fans, it, it would be really tough and. You know, the older I've gotten, I've covered sports. I'm just not the fan I used to be. It changes you. You see it more as an analyst. But then I think back to when I was younger and I was a really big fan. And I think to what – I, I was trying to draw a comparison. It would be like for me if Tim Hardaway had gone to the Knicks back in those days. And, man, that would have been so hard for me because I loved Tim Hardaway. And I would have had a root against him on the Knicks. I hated those Knicks teams. So I can see how the real passionate fans th – this is really tough seeing Wade on a team like Cleveland. Yeah, I could get that too. It's, it's going to be weird. I mean, I, I could see a lot of people rooting for him once the Heat are eliminated in the playoffs, as long as the Heat don't beat Cleveland, which is a real possibility here. But no, if they don't, if they lose, they're probably not going to go further than Cleveland in the playoffs. And once the Heat are out, I think they'll be a fun team to root for. You know, you have LeBron, you have Wade, and they'll be underdogs, especially if they play the Warriors or really any other team in the West. There's at least three, four, maybe five teams in the West that are probably better than anyone in the East. So I think it could be fun to root for Wade and LeBron um, going on there. But 
as far as the Heat thing, they clearly didn't really want him. You know, no. I know they, they, they're supposed to show face and make it seem like they do, but the last two years, I really think have played the, played out the same. Last summer, this summer, where they, they show a little bit of an effort. Yeah, we'd like you back. It would be a nice story, but I really think they've moved on. I think they moved on mentally. They have other young guys they want to develop. They want to see what they have in Justice Winslow. They want to see what they have in Tyler Johnson, Dion Waiters. And if Wade's here... There's going to be this automatic deferral to him, as as it should be, because he's a Hall of Fame player. You know, it's going to be hard for Justice Winslow to say, you know what, I'm going to be the man, take care of the ball, take it to the hole. But when Wade's there, he's going to give it to him. So I can understand both sides, and but I really think it would be cool if uh, if they somehow and if they even won a title, like I wouldn't hold it against Wade. I don't I, I don't think his legacy is tarnished one bit. You know, he's he was a Heat in his prime, and that's what everybody's going to remember him for. They're not going to remember these Cleveland years as much as the Heat years. Right, right. And, you know, look, I was in the minority down here. I was kind of rooting for LeBron LeBron on Cleveland. Look, I, I loved LeBron before he was on the Heat. I really loved his game on the Heat. And, you know, I didn't have any ill will towards him leaving, even though I think that whole thing was a mess. And I think Riley, you know, maybe could have kept things together. That's a whole other story. But, um, you know, with LeBron, he, he gave the Heat his four best years. And right. they could never take that away. Even, right. yeah, of course, it goes without saying, Wade had his best years in Miami. But, to me, those were really LeBron's best, best seasons. You know, maybe his first, you know, yeah, he's been great in Cleveland since. But if you look at the his at the peak, peak of his peak was in Miami. So, you know, LeBron never had to come to the Heat. He came here. Uh, you know, I, I, I still root for LeBron. And uh, with the Heat this year, yeah, I, first of all, I think they're going to be fun to watch. And I think back, I was talking about those Heat teams that I used to love in the late 90s. And mm-hmm. they were never really championship contenders. You know, the Bulls were in the East. They were more that team that you hope got to the second round. Maybe right. everything went right. They and they were a team. They were a team. Sorry, they were a team that nobody wanted to play because they were right. such a pain in the ass. Right. And and I used to, I used to love those teams, and I I love the regular season. It was fun. You know, one thing with the championship years here, the regular season was pretty boring. You know, except for that twenty-seven game winning streak, and the first round of the playoffs was even boring. It's like, okay, wake me up when you get to the second round. And really, it was championship or bust. And you know, don't get me wrong, titles come first, and I, I get it. But I kind of like a, a scrappy team like the Heat that are going to – the regular season is going to mean something. It's going to be fun. They're going to be fighters. And, you know, the question is can they get to the second round in the East? I think that's, that's maybe their peak. But I'm looking forward to seeing them play. And I, I think it wasn't necessarily the worst move to just move on from Wade. And no matter what, you had you had his best years, that's for sure. Absolutely. All right, before we wrap this up, every guest that comes on here, I ask them to – I demand of them to share a steaming, stifling hot take – uh, before departing, past takes include a prophecy about Tannehill getting, or excuse me, uh, Brian Papa came on here and he said Tannehill wasn't going to finish this year as the Dolphins' starting quarterback, and that somewhat came true. It was kind of a <laughs> prophecy. He went down. Then Vishnu came on and said Miami was going to obliterate Florida State. That game got canceled because of a hurricane, so that's that's kind of still in the air. Might be true. So there's a lot of magical, uh, spiritual elements going on with these hot takes, but we need a hot take, and, and it better be stifling, Andrew. Oh, man, you put me on the spot here. It's got to be hot. Hot. It's got to be hot. Yeah. So I guess Jarvis Landry not being back next year, is that hot enough or is that not hot enough? Uh, I, that's lukewarm. I think you got to do better than that. All right, let's see. See, hot take, hot take. How about the Heat going to the East Finals? They'll, they'll beat Boston or Cleveland. They're going to do it. They're going to they're, they're gonna shock the world, and they're going to go to the East Finals. All right, I'll take that. That's good enough. It's a good headline uh, draw, a good clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate oh, you I, taking... I could make it Trump-related, but yeah. You know, I think we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna go there right now. Yeah, your Twitter will just be an it'll just be an even angrier place. You know, you don't want to do that. Those, those guys on Twitter are relentless. 
Yeah, no, they are. I mean, I, I deal with them every day and politics is just nasty. Everyone's got their opinion. My opinion's right. Everyone else's is wrong, of course. Exactly. Well, thanks for the time, Andrew, and I wish you well. All right. Thanks.